Mike, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, or 1 through, uh, yeah, 13 will be our text today. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed in his Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created what? All things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart ever over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if I were going to put three points on this, for those of you taking notes who've been paying attention, right? Y'all tracking with me? I'd call it the gospel the new man in Christ in the church, the gospel, what it is, the new man in Christ, what he looks like, or she in the church, what it's for. Not in totality, but in, in a part, partial picture. In context is key. Take a verse out of context, take a section out of context, you got to set up for a big problem. Ephesians 1, Christ raised. Ephesians 2, we're raised with him, seated with him in the heavenlies. Ephesians 3, one man being built up in Christ as a church to display his glory. We've got to remember the flow of Ephesians. But let's look at the context, the flow of, of the text. If you have your Bible in hand, it says, verse 1, for this reason. Well, for, for what, what reason? What Paul talking about? He's talking about Ephesians 1 through 2. In light of what we've been looking at, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now watch the context here. You see that line next to the word Gentiles? Now go ahead and look forward to verse 14. What does verse 14 start with? For this reason. Paul's going to have a little bit of a sidebar here for a minute. He's going, for this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, now if he was going to keep going, focused, I bow my knees before the Father, but he's like, he's like me. He's a little distractible. For this reason, well, but, but, but hold on a minute, before I get to this reason, look at the context here, let, let, me, let me take a sidebar. Assuming you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So before I get into this, I want to make sure you understand what the gospel is. Well, well what, is, what is the gospel? We talked about that downstairs last week. Remember, we'll pick this up. How much of the gospel do you have to share for someone to have heard the gospel? Remember that question? Well, 
Paul's going to tell us the answer is not going to be quite what you're looking for. What is the gospel? Well, he tells us here what the gospel is. He tells us here that it is a mystery. See how many times the word mystery shows up here? Verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, somewhere deeper down low. You guys have to work with me there. You'll see it if you look longer than I do. What does it mean that the gospel is a mystery? How the mystery was made known to me by, the, by revelation. Verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Verse 6, this mystery is. What does it mean that the gospel is a mystery? How do you define mystery? Here's the problem with word studies in the Bible. Well, I think that mystery means, right here, here's a trick for Bible study. Don't worry about what you think. Worry about what God says. Big difference. I hope you all don't want my opinion. I hope you want God's word exegeted. Culturally, a mystery is something hidden that you have to try to discover through reason, logic, and examination. Right? You ever, you ever read a mystery novel? You ever watch uh, CSI? I've never seen that show in my life. I assume it has something to do with my dad watches it incessantly. Crime Scene Investigators, is that what it stands for? I know some of y'all watch CSI, right? It's like, Jasmine, is that your show? She's like, what are you all doing to me? I'm sitting back here pregnant, leave me alone. Mike, help me out. That, it's a mystery. You got to figure out what's going on. Well, is that the gospel? Is it like we have to figure out what's going on? No. A mystery, biblically, is something revealed by God that you would never be able to discover on your own. That's why the gospel is a mystery. It's revealed by God. You would never be able to discover it on your own. Well, what's the mystery of the gospel? We've been seeing it. Jews and Gentiles is one new man. The Son of God taking sin upon himself to make sinners righteous. Jesus saving by dying and rising. The church is a mystery of the gospel. How about, um, gosh, I always say this wrong. I can read it in a book. I can't say it right. Simo justus et peccator. Do you know what that means in Latin? You actually could figure it out. Simul, simultaneously, justus, justice, just, or righteous, et, R.C. Sproul taught me this one. You know what et means? Huh? It's the past tense of eight. I, at lunch. Uh, I'm eating, I et. E to Brutus. It means and. Peccator, sinner. Mystery of the gospel, simultaneously just or righteous and sinner. You see, you don't discover these things on your own. The world, the world tries to discover the gospel, and this is what they come up with. Well, I know there's a God, Romans 1, talking about lost people, and it looks like if, if you obey his law, especially the golden rule, and do your best, he'll, he'll listen to you when you pray and you can go to heaven when you die. That makes sense to human ears, doesn't it? But that's not the mystery of the gospel. That's the CSI version of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is no one is righteous, no, not one, but Christ came to save the ungodly, and we as God's people are simul justus et peccator, simultaneously just and 
sinners. The mystery of the gospel. Now, look at verse 6. This is really cool. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Somebody say, why is that so cool? Yeah, I got multiple people awake. If you read that in the Greek, it's actually a word play. Every one of those phrases, fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ, start with a pretext, sin. The pretext sin means together. So as you read it in the Greek, it's sin, sin, sin. And what you're hearing, if you're understanding a triple declaration, almost something like holy, holy, holy. It's the most emphatic declaration. And what Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit through Paul, is the mystery of the one man, the mystery that Jews and Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers the promise of Christ, through the gospel, together, 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 back to 15 of the previous chapter, that he might create himself one man in the place of the two. So, what is the gospel? In one respect, here's the gospel. God saves sinners. In another respect, here's the gospel. 1,189 chapters. I'll give you a minute to add them up. Because you know somebody's really like, is, that, is he making that up? What, what if I went so far as to tell you it's 757,356 words? That, Google that. Yeah, well, it wasn't Google, but I got it online. That, that, that is what the gospel is. So, so how much of the gospel do you have to share for someone to hear the whole gospel? Come on downstairs, we'll pick that one up. That's not the point. The point that we should be after is the more we grasp the mystery of the gospel, the more we will rejoice in our new identity in Christ, and the more we will desire to live for God's glory. You see, if we're just looking for the bare minimum, go ahead and share with someone, God saves sinners. That's wonderful. But there's so much more. You ever raise a kid, you just like, leave a note? Mom loved you. And just leave. How's that work for raising a kid? True. I mean, arguably, if you left them, but that's another conversation. Paul's driving home the point here about the mystery of the gospel, the necessity of understanding through Scripture, God is revealing to us this good news of who he is, who we are in him, and what he has saved us too. And he's building through this whole concept of church. And, 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 and watch where this goes next. I, I find this fascinating. And, and we'll trust. Well, I'll leave that for a minute. Mystery, magnification, if I want to stick with the letter M. Look, look at what goes on here. You start in verse 7. Of this gospel, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for who? For everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created us all things. You see the picture of what a new man or woman in Christ is to look like in light of the mystery of the gospel as part of the body of Christ? It's easy to go by too quickly. 
Now, Dylan knows this because Dylan's wise, or I told him, I don't remember which. First word, chapter, well, not first word, fifth word, for this reason, I, Paul. Remember Paul used to be called Saul? Why, why did his name get changed? Sunday school class, well, when he came to faith, he changed his name to Paul. Not so fast. Why, why did his name change? Well, it's cultural. Jewish and Greek or Roman. It's like Pastor John and Pastor Juan. It's like J.J. Hey, Charlie, what's J.J.'s name in Spanish? Oh. <laughs> Hold on, I got the mic. J.J., you want to tell them what your name in Spanish? Jota, Jota! We do it on Siri all the time. So it was just, he was Saul and now he's Paul. Is that right? Well, maybe. But you know what Saul means? You know where that name came from? A lot of Jewish boys named Saul. You know why? King Saul, first king of the Israelites. That's a big time name. I mean, not everyone could be named Gift of God. That's what my name means. What's your name mean? (laughs) Saul is a big time name. Do you know what Paul means in Latin? Small or humble. Now, it's kind of interesting if you stop and think about why Paul maybe preferred to be called Paul. Big Saul became little Paul. I, small and humble Paul. But keep going with me here as we, we listen to what he says. You look at verse 2. The stewardship of, the God, of God's grace that was given to me. Next two words. For you. How often do we live focused on us? Come to church. Why do you come to church? Well, I need encouragement from other people. I'm upset nobody cares about me. Nobody notices me. I'm bothered. Nobody called me. Nobody dropped food off for me when my dog died. Nobody nobody bought me a gift. Y'all know you missed Pastor Appreciation Month. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was October. Mm Mm-hmm. You missed it, but I'm joking about that. I don't resent you for that. It's other We're very focused on, well, here's what I learned at church. Here's how I was encouraged at church. Jesus loves me. Jesus saved me. This is all about me. Have you noticed we're specialists in me? How much time did, have you been upset that Derek burned down Ricky's garage? Y'all forgot about that, right? Of course you forgot about whether he didn't really but you wouldn't be that upset but if it was your garage it'd be a big deal wouldn't it because we're, we're specialists in me paul is a specialist in we the stewardship of god's grace that was given to me we'd stop there but paul says why for you i'm not done yet here look at verse 7 paul talks about according to the gift of god's grace which was given me by the working of his power Paul knows what he knows because God was gracious to show him. Paul didn't discover it. Paul didn't deserve it. Paul goes on to refer to himself as the worst of all sinners, right? He's not kidding. What what did Paul have to offer God on his clippity-clop ride to uh, Damascus? Nothing but debt. What did we have to offer God? You see, we we can keep going through this. Verse 8, it says, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is Jewish Saul 
persecutor of the church who hated Gentile people. But now he's preaching the, the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, don't, don't spiritualize this. This is like the Klan member going into the black part of town in the 1950 Alabama to risk his life to preach the gospel to people he used to hate who may still hate him. What, what, what's going on here? We keep going. It's all right in this section. Verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering. Two more words after suffering. What are they? For you. Do, do you see the, what's going on here? We get a glimpse of the fact that our lives are saved to be magnifiers of God's glory, pointing to the work of God to save and recreate. Said another way. A believer is saved and given the ability to have a willingness to die to self for others, to live for others, and to delight in the triumph of the gospel, uniting others to God and to one another in him. But it's a battle that we have to fight through to see because we're specialists in me. The first thing I think about when I get up in the morning is me. The last thing I think about when I fall asleep at night is me. And in between, the primary focus of my life is me. And don't act like you're super holy because you don't think about you because you're thinking about you don't think about you. You're still in the center of the story. As we understand the gospel, we begin to realize, I don't need to worry so much about me. I don't need to worry about my reputation because I have a name in Christ. I don't need to worry about my provision because God will provide all of my needs. I don't need to worry about my circumstances. We'll get to this in a minute because God sovereignly orchestrates all of my circumstances. I don't need to worry about if you've wronged me because God will deal with that in his time perfectly. I don't need to worry about anything when I understand the fullness of who I am in Christ. Now, Paul wasn't fully there. None of us are fully there. But the closer we get to there, as we see the beauty of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, the more robustly we desire to live to magnify the reality of who God is. Now, here's the kicker. You can't do it on your own. That's the other thing. We're all, like, we're all independent-minded Christians. Well, I'm going to grow in my faith, and here's how I'm going to do it. Again, ah, notice the pronouns. You know, culturally, you choose your pronouns. We got to bring this into church. We got to get the right pronouns. You know what the, the believing pronouns are? We and us. Those should be my pronouns. We and us. Or, 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 or we and him. You see how the world's always like half, right? It's like rat poison. A little bit of good stuff and a whole lot of bad stuff mixed in together. It'll kill you. Well, let's, let's not throw away the whole pack. Let's, let's get the good stuff. Let's get our pronouns right. We and us, us and him. Somebody try that at work and then explain to your boss what you're doing. I mean, it should be a win-win. What can they do about it? Anyway, we'll keep going there. Look, look at verse 10. How do you mature? How do you grow? How do you, how do you pull this off? So what is a gospel? What is a Christian? What is a church? Listen, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What is that talking about? 
It's saying that God has made his church as a spectacle, not just for the world. Remember Deuteronomy 4? Some would be like, sure, of course I do. We had a clue what Deuteronomy 4 says. I haven't had a look. God told the Israelites, live as a, a godly people according to my law so that the nations around you will see who I am. Well, look what's going on here. It's not just for the world to see who God is. It says right here, verse 10, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know who those are? Angels and demons. The visible and invisible realm are all watching. As we're sitting here today, and you're listening to ordinary Pastor John preach the extraordinary word of God. People go, well, how many people showed up? Well, I got billions of people watching us. They're just not all people. You do know when we gather that the heavenly host is observing things angels long to understand. God has put this spectacle on display not just for a lost world, but for all of his creation to gaze upon and to behold his power. You know you're all famous. How many followers you got? Anybody got a lot of followers? You do, you just didn't know it. The angels and the demons is watching you. The Lord himself is watching you. The world is watching God's church. And through us living as he calls us to, being equipped as he enables us to, the unsearchable riches of Christ are being put on display. Y'all know what entropy is? I'm, Chuck's got to know what entropy is, right? These MIT grads. I, I, I'll make it basic for the, for the public school city kid. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't graduate magna cum laude. I graduated, help me laude. <laughs> Entropy. Everything's falling apart, right? Everything dies, decays, and deteriorates. If you don't believe me, go open some photo albums from when you were a little kid up till today, and you can write on the album, Entropy. You, you, go, you go look at your house if you lived there for more than 20 years and look in the corners and the cracks and, and entropy. You still don't see it, call great-grandma up and say, hey, can we FaceTime? Okay, entropy. The church is the antithesis of entropy. Just, just stick with me here. In the world, everything falls apart and decays and deteriorates. It dies. In the church, everything is being built up, made new, more spectacular, and lives forever. You see, when a lost world looks at a local church, they should ask a question. What the heck is that? But it's got to be a church living as God calls them to in light of the mystery of the gospel. Because if not, they look at a church and they go, I know what that is. That's a cheap imitation of, a, uh, uh, of the world. That's a franchise. It's a spiritual franchise. God works in mysterious ways. He, he works in Paul. It's in prison. You remember why Paul's in prison? Acts 21, 18 maybe, 17, 18, somewhere in there. He was accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple. Remember that? And so, well, flip over there. Let's hope I'm right. Acts, uh, 
Oh, this is pressure. I mean, you're going to look really impressive or really stupid in a really minute. Um, now we're going deeper than 18. Yeah, 20, 27. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him, Paul in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled the holy place. So the believers in Asia Minor, the church in Ephesus, they got to be going, why, why, why is Paul in prison? I thought it was Jews and Gentiles, one flesh. God, that's your will, and, and that's why he's being locked up. We can't do this without Paul. This is, this is the Apostle Paul. We need him to encourage us and equip us, and we love him. We don't want to see him suffer. God, well, what's going on? Kind of like John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist, Matthew 11? John's in jail. He's going to lose his mind in a minute, literally. He sends some of his followers to Jesus with a question. You remember the question? Are you the Christ? You want me to put it in modern English for you? I thought you were Jesus, Messiah. Why am I in jail then? Are you not who I thought you were? You see, here's what makes sense. John the Baptist in prison, Jesus is Messiah. The, 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 the whole prison is lifted. John is carried out by an angel, put down, spotlight from heaven, angelic host. God has saved this man. And the whole world goes, whoa. Paul's in, in prison. What's supposed to happen? The emperor is teleported to Paul's prison. He falls on his knees. Oh, forgive me for my sinfulness. Your God is infinitely powerful. Come forth and walk over my corpse. The world goes, oh my goodness, look how strong God is. Yay, God. John lost his head. Paul's still in prison. But do you see how God works through those things? From where we sit, it looks like Paul's put on the bench. But the Holy Spirit gave us the book of Ephesians and many other books through his imprisonment. He encouraged the saints. He, Paul says to the people, do not lose heart over what I am suffering for you. Why? Circumstances shake. They they. They, they shake violently. Laura and I went away a, a couple months ago. You remember that weird thing in the gym? That, Laura stands on this thing. I still, for the life of me, don't know what it was. She stands on it, and she holds this thing and pushes a button. And it's like... <laughs> her whole body starts shaking. And she's such a kind wife. You know what she did? She says, try it! <laughs> well, I got on it. I, I swear I have a detached retina and lost a filling on this side. It shook you so crazy, like anything loose is going to come loose. I don't know what it was, but it was real. We were both there together, right? Well, that's kind of life. Circumstances shake you. And they unsettle you if you're not careful. If your mooring's a little bit off, they might even topple you. And what Paul is saying to the believers in Asia Minor, to us today, is guys, guys, slow down and listen for a minute. Remember what the gospel is? You remember what the church is? You remember who God is? 
Perhaps he'd point to James 1-2 if he could have. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith has purpose. I'm going to paraphrase James. It takes your coaliness and puts it under pressure and makes it into diamondness. But if we forget to live in light of the gospel, if we forget to live as part of a body, if we forget the reality of who God is, we will be tossed to and fro on every wave of circumstance that comes by. What do you do with this? Well, listen to this. You ever notice how much you're like your family of origin? You ever notice that? It, it's one of the crazy things in American churches recently, especially with, with how often and frequently people move, is you don't get to see a lot of multi-generations sitting together. We do sometimes, which is kind of cool, right? I mean, hang out with, with, with Dylan and Dan for a little bit, and Kylie will attest to this, like, they're a lot alike, in, in good ways, in good ways. I was over at my mom's house yesterday. In, in, in a way, she and I are, are freakishly alike. Don't comment, Laura. I'm going to keep this on a focus. She says to me, I got to take these uh, blood pressure medicines now because you all forgot Pastor Appreciation Month and I got blood. No. <laughs> and they tell you, take these things. You don't feel any different. Well, I said to my wife, like, I feel, I feel different. She's going, you're just crazy. What are you talking about? At my mom's house yesterday, I don't know how this shows up. She says, yeah, I was taking it for years, and I remember the first day I took it, I felt different. <laughs> Mom, how do you feel different? Well, it's, it's hard to explain. Just way up here, like right in your upper chest, neck area, just like, oh. <laughs> I, I act like my mama. I look like my daddy. I got the same bad sense of humor, and I got some other issues there. Similar speech patterns, right? Because you end up like your family. You kind of like your culture. You ever know that the people you hang out with outside of your family, you end up a bit like them. You're, you're similar to your community. It's your closest relationships. Those four things together that most shape you. And God intended that. But God created a new family and a new culture and a new community and new closest relationships in the kingdom of God that are designed to shape one another through the power of the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ. And as we do, as we live in light of who we are in Christ, who God is, what he has saved us to, flip all the way back to 119, we're able to see the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And to put all things under his feet and give him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what's going on here? Paul had a little sidebar. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles... Uh, assuming you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery, 
was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Someone goes, well, what is this mystery? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Why? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. What is the plan? Why, so that the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you all, do not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Well, now, now, for this reason, We'll go to that next week. My friends, the church is where resurrection power, sovereign power, come together through the Holy Spirit's power who dwells with us, where the glory of God uniquely resides, we looked at that last week, to encourage the saints in light of the truth of what the gospel is, who gospel people are, and how we magnify and glorify the name of God to our joy and delight. So, what is the gospel? See how that's an impossible question to answer right away? How much time you got? How do you want me to apply it? Give me the particular circumstance you want to see the gospel in light of. What is a Christian? What is a new man in Christ? Well, there's a simple answer. You must be born anew. There's a more complex answer. There's a far more robust answer. What is the church? What is it for? Again, the key is I don't just want your opinion. Time. What does God, God have to say? Oh, I'd love to keep going and land this second section, but... We've dinged out. Chuck just dozed off. The coffee ran out. Chuck, show everybody how much coffee you had to bring to stay awake today because of my preaching. So I've told him one is okay, but if Chuck falls asleep with that thing, you know, y'all might want to be poking him because that will forever shatter any sense of worth that I have within myself or value. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us understand how gracious you truly are, even in speaking to us. It is not a light or trite thing that we have your word. It is in your immeasurable grace and kindness and mercy and generosity that you chose to speak to sinners. You chose to communicate towards rebels who you would make new, and give the ability to hear, see, and understand the truth of your word, the mystery of the gospel. 
Lord, as we feel in our flesh at times a desire not to feast upon your word, when, when Netflix is more enticing than Lamentations, when the good news of an Eagles game is more exciting than the good news of Jesus Christ, where rest in a comfy bed is far more wonderful to us than rest in Christ, I pray you would help us set our priorities properly. I pray we would not forego rest or forego enjoying a football game, but we would do it in the right way, in light of the reality, Lord, of who you are and who we are in you. Lord, help us to delight in your word so we might delight in the gospel, so that we might declare your glory and majesty to everyone we are able. Help us to see that life is not about us. It's about you and others ahead of ourselves, for that is what you have made us in the new man. Christ Jesus laying down his life for the sake of his friends and then calling us to love one another as he has loved us and putting on display a sinner become saint like Paul who did that albeit imperfectly by your power for your glory and the upbuilding of your church. While none of us are uppercase A apostles, we are all brothers alongside Paul of Christ. We are indwelt individually by the Holy Spirit and uniquely so corporately. Lord, I pray that this local body would be a place where your majesty is magnified, as your people are sanctified, and your love is experienced profoundly, not in a self-serving way, but in a Christ-honoring and exalting way. Holy Spirit, strengthen us because on our own we can't do this. Encourage us so that we might genuinely love one another. Speak through us as we communicate your word so we might encourage one another in truth. Take over our calendars. Do not allow us to convince ourselves of what we can or can't do, but to understand biblically what it means that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Do not allow circumstances to guide us. Allow your spirit to guide us by your word as we rejoice in the fact that you, Lord Jesus, are our good shepherd. Give us a delight in following you as we understand you will prepare for us all we need and so much more. Help us, Lord, to not lose heart as we gaze upon the loving heart you have towards us the power at work in us and through us and for us, in our very purpose in this world. For Lord, you could have saved us and brought us home to glory right away, but you left us behind. We are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are children of God. Lord, help us to see and rejoice in who we are, yes, individually, but far more so corporately. We are the family of God himself, created new in Christ, with birthdays that never end, and the term old never existing anymore. For we have in you, Lord Jesus, eternal life. We don't just know about you. We know you as a friend, father, and savior. In the holy and precious name of our Redeemer and friend, we pray. Amen.